Here is a series of headlines that caused us to call our next guest. In order, we saw military shouldn't be Canada's go-to disaster relief force, former official says, followed by the headline that says Red Cross calls for civilian force, less reliance on the military for disaster response. And the third headline that brought this file to our attention, Canada's military chief warns China and Russia are, quote, at war with the West, close quote, and Canada is not ready. Here to talk about the use of them, and of course here on CKNW this morning, Aaron Eubels is carry, carrying the story about the Premier of New Brunswick being upset at the Department of National Defense because we didn't send him enough soldiers to help with the cleanup after the hurricane. So there we are. There's the quandary, uh, and let's talk to our guest about this because he's written extensively about it. Our guest is the former National National Security Advisor of Canada. He served both Prime Ministers Harper and Trudeau before he retired in 2016. Always a pleasure to say good morning and welcome back to Richard Fadden, joining us from Ottawa. Richard, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm great, thanks. It's good to have you back on the show. And it's very timely because Aaron just did a story moments ago about uh, the New Brunswick government uh, being angry at the Department of National Defense for taking back some of the troops. We sent them 550, Richard. Now we're down to 400, and they're all honked off at Ottawa because we took them away. Uh, You said in front of a parliamentary committee just a few days ago, this whole business, the military uh, the Canadian forces assisting in domestic disasters should be left aside. Tell us why. Well, let me start by saying that I think there are some circumstances, you know, extreme disasters where you must call on the military. So I'm not saying never, ever use them. Okay. What I'm arguing is, you know, they should be the last resort, and the key is the word last. So I think basically every time that the military is called out, they're taking they're taken away from vital current operations, but also in particular operational training. This is becoming particularly difficult because the military has not been able to recruit. People are leaving faster than they want them to, and they're not able to recruit. So every person being withdrawn today has a greater effect than might have been the case, I don't know, five or six or seven years ago. So I think part of the issue here, though, is not just that the military is being used, is that Canada's emergency planning capacity isn't as good as it should be. And I say this for all three levels. Right. But fundamentally, the, the international geopolitical environment, to use long words, is getting more and more difficult, as you pointed out in the intro. So I think the Canadian government and the Canadian military have to spend more time, money, and effort to increase the operational capability of the military. And this is very difficult to do if every time there's a crisis, you know, they're called out to do this, that, or the other thing. Right. One recalls the the beginning of all of this, and I'm trying to remember the first incident, and there probably have been several before it, but uh, I can remember Mel Lastman, the mayor of Toronto, Mm. calling out the army, Richard, when they had a massive snowstorm, and then they they had soldiers basically digging out a city. And that seemed to sort of set the the standard for when a, a minor government, provincial or municipal, could call upon the Department of National Defense for backup. Now, one of the things that people are saying is, Okay, well, you know, maybe there's a good part to this. Maybe most of the people who are attending these disaster relief cleanup jobs aren't combat troops from the front lines. They're reservists, and they volunteered to do this, so let them do it. 
I think if you can use reservists, that's fine. But reservists aren't trained to the same level. Reservists also have to get leaves of absence from their permanent jobs. If they're students, they have to abandon their studies. All possible, all doable. Mm -hmm. But if you want thousands, which is often the case with some disasters, you cannot only rely on the reserves. I would argue that part of the difficulty today is that at a national level, and when I say national, federal, provincial, municipal, and civil society, we don't have a comprehensive, all-encompassing view of what we do in disasters. The principle in Canada is that crises are dealt with at the closest level of government that you can manage, so Mm -hmm. municipal, provincial, and federal. You know, I think there's a disincentive today for the provincial and municipal governments to do their own planning and to develop their own capacity because all they do is they call on the military and the federal government assumes most if not all the costs. I think the other issue here too is a political one and I'm not directing this particularly at the, at the current government. Mm. It's a general one. It's too easy today for the prime minister of the day to say I'm sending in the army. Right. On the other hand, we don't have other tools, and I think that for a G7 country of our level of sophistication to give a prime minister only one tool doesn't cover us with a great deal of honor. So I think we need to, while recognizing that in some cases the military are necessary, we need to develop a capability. The Red Cross mentioned this. They want to develop some sort of civilian reserve. They already have hundreds and thousand peoples on their list able to assist when there's a crisis. But they can't do this if they don't have a comprehensive agreement with all levels of government. But the thing that I think that worries me the most in this context is that as the geopolitical situation in the world deteriorates, we're finding ourselves, for a variety of reasons, it's not just emergency disaster relief, for a variety of reasons, with a military, as the CDS says, less and less able to mobilize and to provide the government with the uh, with the capacity to deal with these crises, uh, the, not the least of which is their inability to recruit. Now, I don't know what can be done about that in the short term, but these, these ancillary or uh, exceptional uses are not helping. Indeed. Now, the chief of defense staff, General Ayer, uh, said, obviously, he's been approached by uh, any number of sources asking for him to coordinate some kind of new branch, maybe even a, a division of the armed forces, uh, uh, tailored specifically to respond to disaster relief. And the CDS, the chief of defense staff, says, no, impossible. It's way beyond anything the Canadian Armed Forces are capable of delivering mm-hmm. these days. We're stretched way too thin already. I think that is a monumentally bad idea. I think there's a, there's a, there's a theory of dealing with organizations, is, which is that every one of them on this planet has a, has a core function. And every time you add to these, this core by giving ancillary capabilities and ancillary responsibilities, It makes them less and less able to deal with their core capability. In the current context, the last thing the military needs and the last thing the defense portfolio needs is another appendage made up of, you know, neither civilian nor military people that they're going to have to manage. I think it's an appallingly bad idea. What I think we do need, Sterling, is for the federal government to call a public inquiry to look at all of this systematically in light of the new environments, both with respect to domestic disasters and international, the international situation, and try and figure out a way of dealing with these disasters that only use the military in extreme cases. Sure. Failing this, we're just going to keep blundering on 
And every time there's a disaster, we're going to, you know, the government will send in the military. The provinces will be irritated. And in the end, I'm not sure you and I and all Canadian citizens are going to be best served. So uh, is there uh, now the appetite for spending the time and resources to develop such a, a domestic response force for specifically for disasters, as opposed to just picking up the phone and calling the chief of defense staff and saying, send in the army? That, that, that's easy. And, of course, you're doing something, so there's a, a leader in action. But, yep. the, but the strategy must be a lot deeper than that. What sort of appetite do you, do you understand there to be, if any at all, Richard, for the creation of a national disaster relief force? Well, my sense in just you know, listening to people around is that that appetite is beginning to develop. But I think it's not really going to happen unless after we have a disaster like the one in the Maritimes, the governments of the provinces don't say to the federal government, you know, we appreciate your help, but this is not working. It's not going to happen until, you know, the government of your province in B.C. says, you know, we potentially have real crises here from a variety of perspectives. We need to have a plan. We need to exercise. We need to have an in-depth review. I don't think that Ottawa is absolutely against this idea, but it's like everything else. People try have to deal with the current day crises, and it requires a little bit of pressure, you know, to get them to take things more, uh, to take a, more, a medium to longer term view. And that's what I'm suggesting here. We need a medium term view that takes into account the domestic and international environment as we find it today. So I think if, you know, shows like yours keep pushing on this issue, if they're beginning to be op-eds, if the provinces start pushing for this, and if Ottawa realizes that the warning by the CDS is a serious one, then I think there's the possibility of something being done. Mm-hmm. Call in the army. It's it's awfully expedient. It's easy to do. One phone call gets things at least at least gets the ball rolling. But ultimately, it's pretty shallow, and uh, we need to be much better organized. That's is that a reasonable summary? I think that's true, and I think there are many resources, you know, including in the private sector, including in civil society, and civil society example would be the Canadian Red Cross, which mm-hmm. is already pretty well organized. But there are all sorts of resources that are available, including volunteers. You or I might volunteer in these contexts, sure. you know, but it requires organization, it requires planning, and it, ex- it requires exercises. This does not require the expenditure of hundreds of millions of dollars. It requires a little bit of will on the part of a variety of people to move it forward. I think it's possible, and I just think we have to keep pushing for it. I think so, too, and I'm, I'm grateful for your time on the weekend to bring this to our attention, Richard. Obviously, we're seeing it. It's, our newsroom is on the story from New Brunswick this morning, but clearly it's something that Canadians have grown perhaps a little too comfortable and accustomed to. I think that's right. Thanks for this. Always a pleasure, sir. We appreciate your time, Richard. Good to have you back. Cheers. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.